0: We're not justified by keeping rules. We're not justified by reading the Bible or praying, although reading the Bible is great, praying is great. We're justified by faith in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone.
1: Now, here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word.
0: I was thinking of the book of Ephesians while we were singing that last song. It's so rich. We've went through so many things and we've learned so much. The first three chapters really dealing with everything that God has given to us, our position that is already ours in heaven. And just really talking about all that we have, we've already received. And although we may not really recognize everything that's been received or been given to us, but first three chapters dealing with that which through faith in jesus christ has been afforded us already our our sanctification has been giving us there in heaven our position that we have in christ chapters 4 through 6 i dealing with the practical side of things how we live out our sanctification in this life practically how we work it out in the church in our lives uh, with our families in society in which we live but now he he makes a a change a lot of times that change would be you know distinguished maybe by a therefore or something like that but he says finally my brethren so there's this shift in teaching he final thoughts of his letter remember paul is writing this letter while he's in prison paul was also wondering, is this the last chance that I have to speak to my people, you know, the churches that he have been involved with? He's writing this letter to Ephesus at the same time he's writing a letter to the church of, that's found in Colossae or in the book of Colossians for us, but very similar themes are found in both of them in many of the uh, chapters. And so it's his final thoughts. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. I've always found that interesting, because you take up the whole armor, he's going to go in the different pieces of the armor in a moment. But he doesn't say, and having done all to stand, now advance. He doesn't tell us to do that. He says to stand. I wonder what our world would look like if back in 1000, 100. there was a Pope who preached that the reason Christ didn't return at the millennium, 1000 millennium, was because we didn't convert enough Christian or enough people into Christians. So therefore we need to go out and it was a truly a turn or burn, either believe in Christ or you're dead. And they put on an armor and they went forth. We call them the crusades and it led to a very dark period in the church and They went out physically, and I know there were some spiritual aspects to that also, but I fear that they went out in the physical apart from the spiritual. And I wonder if they would have stood their ground, relying upon Jesus Christ as our conqueror and not going forth to conquer ourselves. What kind of world we would have today, how different it might be. You know, we have crusades here. They're not that type of crusade. But to use that term over in the Middle East, that brings back some bad thoughts for um, people over there. He says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. So we're to take up. There's a difference between putting on and taking up. In the Greek, the word take up has this sense of you're taking it up for the purpose of carrying God's armor with the intent to use it. So you put it on with the intent to use it, that you may be with able to stand in the evil day. And so it's going to be a protection for us. It's going to help us to stand. It's going to be useful for us in that sense. And these different implements, and although there's some aspect, I think of Paul as an author as he's writing this, and he's thinking about the Roman soldier, and he's thinking about the helmet, and you know, and, and these different things that he wants to teach about truth or righteousness, and Uh, the preparation for the gospel of peace, I would think he would be applying. If I was an author, I would want to apply them to certain areas. So I'm not to negate that uh, there's nothing to do with the instrument, the article of the uniform, and the spiritual aspect of it that he wants to teach. But I think sometimes we deal more with the... uh, armament than the spiritual aspect of the teaching there, that you have as a girdle. You've girded your waist with truth. Paul's talked a lot about truth in the book of Ephesians. He, in chapter 1, verse 13, he, he spoke of the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And in 415, he said, speak truth in love. In 425, that we are to speak truth to our neighbors. In 5.9, the fruit of the Spirit, one of these aspects, he only gave us three, but one of those was truth. And in, in 4.21, he says, truth is in Jesus. So we're to gird ourselves in truth. Truth is in Jesus. A lot of people today ask the question, what is truth? We know that even Pilate asked that question of Jesus, when Jesus stood before him and was being judged by him, Pilate asked that question, what is truth? Because Jesus said to him in John 18:37, I've come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of truth hears my voice. Pilate asked the question in verse 38, what is truth? And then scripture tells us he turned and he walked away. He walked away from truth. He walked away from Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. We need to gird ourselves with truth. Today, the world is trying to tell us that there are many different truths in this world, and that as far as salvation is concerned, that we can take all the many different truths, and that they funnel into really just one real truth, one many different gods, but really one faith, many different names for God, but only only one savior and and that's not true. It's not Paul tells us that truth is in Jesus. So if you want to know truth, you need to know Jesus. but we need to gird ourselves with that truth and I think about the truth of the Word of God and all that it teaches us that It becomes a defense for us. And all these first few implements, they're all for defense of the warrior. And to have God's truth in us becomes a defense for us. We are also to put on the breastplate of righteousness. And, you know, it it guards the breastplate, guards the vitals. And uh, today, if we think about police officers wearing their body armor that they have, you know, they're guarding the vitals. They can get shot, and they can get shot in the arm, and they can get shot in the leg, and a lot of unprotected areas, but they're trying to guard the vitals of their heart. And, you know, the world teaches us that we can have our own righteousness, but the breastplate of righteousness that we are to take up is not our own righteousness, but it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 4.23, He tells us that we're to put on a new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And the fruit of the Spirit in 5.9, three fruits mentioned, and we're not going to deal with the word goodness. So the three are goodness, righteousness, and truth. So our righteousness, we have in the world trying to define what righteousness is, that there's this self-righteousness or rightness. But our righteousness is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. As far as the word says, it tells us in Isaiah 64, 6, that that we are all an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness is like filthy rags. As we all fade like a leaf, our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So we need the righteousness of Jesus Christ that has been given to us. And so you put on truth, you put on Christ who is truth, but now it's the Lord again. It's his righteousness. In Romans three twenty-one through 24, it says, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, we have to put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ to be able to stand rightly before God the Father. In verse 15, it says, shotting your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So you're putting on your your war boots. Um, For the Roman soldiers, they were like little cleats that they could advance and push forward in battle as they would... Um, go forth as quite often in a team with their shields locked in place. They would march forward and push through in battle. But they had this idea of the feet shotted. They had these little cleats that they could push through the terrain and they could gain over on the enemy. But it's the gospel of peace that we are to present. Paul is, he probably spent more talking about peace in Ephesians than any of these other words that we could define. In, in chapter 1, verse 2, he tells us about the peace that's from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 2, verse uh, 14, he tells us that Christ Jesus himself is our peace, and that he came and he preached peace to us who are far off and those who are near. In chapter 4, verse 3, he tells us that we are to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And then he closes out with these words, peace to the brethren. The peace that comes through Jesus Christ, our world today is not a very peaceful place. We can have peace with family and with friends. We can pray for peace in these racial tensions that we have, peace from war, peace among the nations. But there's a lot of different peace in this world today that um, when we speak about peace... But the peace that Paul is referring to here is the peace that comes through Jesus Christ himself. It's peace with God. And it's the Lord Jesus himself in John 16, that says, I've spoken these things to you that in me you may have peace. We think about putting on the, the war boots here and we're going forth with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That we're bringing peace to people, not although it may seem to be a battle for them, the end outcome of faith in Jesus Christ is peace, peace for their souls. And we have that opportunity to present peace to others, the peace of Jesus Christ, Jesus himself saying in me that you have peace. The next thing that we take up is the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, Thinking of the the soldier again, he's got the body armor on, he's got the breastplate of righteousness, but just like with our police officers, our uh, military, the soldiers today, you know, they have body armor, but it to cover every part of the body would make you useless in battle because you couldn't move, you know, you'd... It's like go ahead hit me you know I'm I'm protected everywhere but I can't move I can't see I can't breathe I can't do anything so you have to have freedom you got to be able to see you got to be able to hear you got to be able to speak to shout to yell to move your arms and your legs and so the shield was an instrument that they used for defense but it was to deflect the incoming, whatever it was. In this case, it's the fiery darts of Satan. So you have your breastplate of righteousness, but there's other areas, and Satan knows, man. If he can't take you down um, in one area, he's going to go after another. I heard this illustration years ago. I think the only reason it stuck with me is because I was a brick mason for 20 years. But there was a Sunday school teacher once that he's teaching a lesson. He described a wall, and he says, Satan never just tries to you know, roll the wall down of your life. He just starts picking at it bit by bit, and he begins to pick at the uh, lower parts of the foundation. You weaken the wall enough, eventually it will fall. And that shield of faith and in Satan, we can kind of picture the body armor on the breastplate of righteousness, but um, the shield is to, to kind of protect the other areas, you know. He can't get at your heart, so he's going to go at your your knees he's going to hit your arm he's going to hack at you in other areas and so we have this shield to deflect the fiery darts of satan but it's faith and he's talked a lot about faith Ephesians 1:15 I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus your love for the saints 2:8 that you've been saved through faith 3:12 that we have confidence through faith in him uh 3:17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 4.4, that there is only one faith, he tells us. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's Ephesians 4.5. Uh, Ephesians 4.13, that we come to a unity of faith. And he closes out again in 6.23 with peace, love, and faith, as we looked at last week. But to have faith, it's, it's a word that it's a reliance upon Jesus Christ. It's an act of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, that there's faith not in man, not in mankind, but in God's only Son, Jesus Christ. In Galatians 3.22, all Scripture has confined us all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. In verse 23, but before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which was to be afterwards revealed. And then Galatians 3.24, therefore the law is our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified through faith. We're not justified by keeping rules. We're not justified by reading the Bible or praying, although reading the Bible is great, praying is great. We're justified by faith in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone the helmet of salvation he says to take up in verse 17 the helmet of salvation which is the word of god and so you take up the helmet of salvation i think i read that wrong helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god i put two together so the helmet of salvation we take up the helmet of salvation we put it on and it's our salvation that we have in jesus christ and he didn't use the word salvation again in Ephesians, but he did use the word save a couple of times. And it's a very well-known portion of scripture. Ephesians 2 verse 5, he says, by grace, you have been saved. Verse 8, he says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith and not of ourselves. It is a gift of God that salvation comes to us by God's grace. It's through faith. But that is how we take up the helmet of salvation. Our salvation is a wonderful gift of God, but it comes to us by placing faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 3.23 tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is through Jesus Christ our Lord. To have that salvation, you need to place your faith in Jesus Christ. Finally, the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, He tells us here, this is the only one that he defines for us in the sense of we have the sword of the spirit. What would that mean? I'm glad he told us because we would have had a lot of different speculation on what the sword of the spirit was. But he makes it simple. He says, the sword is your word. It's the word of God that he has given us. This is the only implement of all this armament that is for office, for going out with the word of God. We take up God's word in our lives. In Ephesians 1.13, he called it the word of truth. In Ephesians 5.26, he reminded us that we're to be washed by the water of his word. You know, the greatest example, I think, of using the word of God that we have in Scripture, although there are many was when Jesus was tempted there in the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights. And it tells us that being tempted 40 days and 40 nights, after that time, Satan then came with three specific temptations to the Lord. And in every one of those things, Jesus used the word of God to, we could say parry the blows of Satan, that he used the word of God. When Satan told him to turn the, stone into bread because he was hungry. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so he used the word of God to, to defend himself against the blows of Satan. When Satan took him up from the temple and told him to jump, to prove himself, and then Satan used the word of God and said, doesn't the word say that the angels have come and not even let your feet get hurt on a stone? And he was dealing with this, and Christ, again, turned it back on Satan. And he was victorious because of this. Victorious over all the temptations because of the word of God. Seeing all the kingdoms of the world, he was victorious because he used the word of God. It is through Jesus Christ that he has given us this great hope that we have. But I fear too often, we only partially take up armament. We take up the helmet of salvation, but we forget to put on the breastplate of righteousness. We gird ourselves with the girdle of truth, but we forget to shout our feet with the gospel of peace. We take a shield and forget the sword, or take the sword and forget the shield. How many movies have you seen of soldiers who have sword and shield they usually get in trouble when they lose one or the other don't they i mean sometimes i today they make everything unbelievable so guys can battle with two swords and you know do tremendous jumps and feats that none of us can do we know it's not real if it was real they'd be clinging to that shield clinging to that sword because it would be their only hope. Well, it is real. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. The battle is real. Christ is the victor. He's the conqueror, but the battle still continues, not in the sense of who's going to win. We know who wins. but the battle is still raging while we are on this earth. And we need to have every part of truth, of righteousness, of the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, and God's word. Everything that we can possibly have to help us in this war that we're in. People's lives are on the line. Our own faith is challenged so often. It's so that you will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We take up the whole armor of God that we can stand. We find strength in the Lord from the power of his might. But the battle's going to continue on until he calls us home. And I want us to to put on to take up the whole armor of God. You know, we can take up the sword of God's word. We can read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We can neglect to use it in defense when Satan is firing those darts at us and you know, he's challenging us like he challenged Christ, and Christ came back with the Word of God each time and was gained victory because of it. Really consider the different armaments, consider what they represent, and uh, be willing to put these things on in our lives. Father, we ask that you would be with us today. We ask that you would bless our time together, bless our fellowship. I know, Lord, this is just a challenging day for my own family. I just pray for our fellowship, for the work that you've called us to. And Lord, I pray for this great portion of Scripture. There's so much richness here, Lord, and I know I didn't present it thoroughly or maybe not even that well, but Lord, help us to get it. Help us to put on the armor. Help us to take it up. Help us to realize and recognize that the war is not only physical, but it's very spiritual by nature. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.